The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. So I think you had a probably the best excuse in the world for for not being on the show and there not being a show last week, Kev. Is your dad okay? Is the main question. Yeah, he's all right considering, you know, uh 80-year-old man has major massive uh, heart attack. So yeah, he's he's out of hospital and you know, he's frail and recuperating and all of that kind of stuff, but in terms of it you know, he's he's basically as well as can possibly be expected, I think. And uh, yeah, so you know, I do I do actually want to just say thank you to everybody that you know. Once you put that message out last week, I got an influx of um, you know emails and messages and whatever. So yeah, thank you kindly to all of you. And yeah, yeah, he's he's all right, you know. And as the the doctor said, he was in the right place at the right time. He was in the hospital, you know, get checked over when he had his heart yeah, attack. And I know. It was like a crash team with him in 10 seconds and, uh, you know, definitely saved his life. You know, they could, they call these attacks the widow maker for a reason. Oh. And uh, he was uh, he was in the right place at the right time. The right time God yeah. bless the NHS. Yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah so thank you to everybody who did reach out i really really appreciate it and so does my mum and dad and my sister and everybody else yeah i know a lot of i don't want to get political at this moment because it's about your dad not about politics but um a lot of people have been been moaning about the uh, uh the consultants in the uk you probably won't know this if you don't live in the uk but the the consultants the doctors that have been through the training that have um earned their colors that are that are that are the surgeons the practicing surgeons and so on and so forth they they're due to go on strike aren't they but when you listen to to their work conditions and you consider what your dad had last week and the and the mm. specialists that surrounded him i think the doctors and people whinge about the junior doctors like they're 18 years old. No, some people are junior doctors for a long, long time. They deserve our respect, don't they? Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. 100%. Yes. Well, they saved my dad's life, so there you go. go. I'm close, Kev, to to actually um, walking down to uh, Downing Street with a flag with you. You know that. The Fujicast. Me me and Kev now. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're forming our own petitions, Um, but I'm so pleased your dad's okay. And uh, as well as can be expected at the moment, and all power to him, Kev, as uh, as he continues his uh, recuperation. Thank you. Not being helped, of course, by you descending upon him tomorrow. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah, and I'm going to take Albie with me as well because Rose is doing a DOV somewhere. Oh yeah, fifty odd miles. Uh, uh, yeah, the Duke of Edinburgh. Are, are they going to keep that title, the Duke of Edinburgh Award? Do you think? I, I would imagine so. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. DV, it's easy to say. Isn't D- it? DV, but is, there a current, is there currently a, is there a new Duke of Edinburgh? I don't know. I'm not really up on my dukedoms. No, no. I don't know. I would imagine they'll allocate one. Yeah, but, the but Duke, it was set up by him, wasn't it? It so, was. Yeah. Um, you know. Was outward bound and stuff like that. Um, yeah, Jan, Jan, yeah. Oh, it's good. She's doing the silver one this year. Yeah, she's so. doing the silver. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Jack did his bronze and then went can't bother to do anymore in the kind of teenage way. I'm just going to wave Rosa's example in front of him and now say, look what Rosa's doing. Look what. Yep. <laughs> but Jack's not the only one. Like when Rosa did bronze, there was something like 150 kids did it. And when I dropped off this morning at Kemble, there I think there's 19 kids doing the silver. What? So, yeah, it's a much bigger commitment. I wonder who will make it through to gold. Mm. Rosa will. I know she will. Mm, she's, made, she's, she's, she's made a Mullins stuff. Right, cost me a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> Everything costs you money, Kev. Talk, talking true. of which, how's your horse? <laughs> oh, no, don't, don't, don't. Oh, right. Welcome. 
to the Fuji cast. Here we are, you and your your questions from our mailbag and also from the Facebook uh, group. We've got um, we've got a book a book of the week this week, haven't we? We do have a book of the week. What's we have a mean? very very good book of the week. In fact, What's we have uh, a retrospective of Dido Mariama, which is a beautiful book. Um, so we shall talk about that when we get to it. You were supposed to be here this week. Me and Kev yeah. were supposed to be in this studio. Then we were going to go for a little spot of business lunch after. Oh, it's not just for mm-hmm. executives, no. It's for me, me and Kev as well. And we were going to discuss special plans for something special in 2024. But our youngest, Thomas, has, uh, well, supposedly got the lurgy. Mm, I didn't fancy taking the lurgy back to my dad. No, absolutely. <laughs> completely correct. So, um, So we'll have to do it another time. Our planning will have to wait, Kev. When are you going? You're going to Spain soon. Are we going to get this planning in? Well, we'll have to. We will. We'll, we'll make it happen for yeah. sure. But yes, I will be going to Spain for me and I'll be going first. Gemma and Rosa following on later. <laughs> How long are you wait. two going for before they arrive? Uh, five weeks and six days. Oh, are we going to have... You have the real holiday blues every single year. Is it, is it going to be the same this year? Oh, yeah. Be awful. want to come back. Yeah. <laughs> On back. You don't, Bro- you don't want to speak to me. Broken Britain. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this place. I'll be used to my one euro coffee. Well, actually, 60 cent coffees. And, oh, I know. Yeah, probably, I'll probably spend the grand total of about £35 while I'm there. <laughs> you do literally place yourself around a swimming pool. Uh, and that, and that uh, is it, isn't it? That. Yeah, well, mostly, but yeah, we do go to lots of places, but we tend to go to like the very Spanishy little villages and beaches. There's not a lot of Brits down there, yeah. so it's nice and well, cheap. And I hope you'll beautiful. be. I hope you'll be sending your usual pictures through the scorpions that you find in Gemma's underwear. Um, which, <laughs> yeah, which, it was that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which we usually get pictures <laughs> of at some stage. It wasn't in her underwear. It was uh, resting on her. Um, uh, um, do you want booby. to fit- oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> when she woke up <laughs> did you not think to actually sort of just pick it up and place it somewhere else before you woke her up to say that you seem to have a you seem to have a nasty scorpion attached to you darling i didn't see it oh did you I didn't not? It. Okay. No, no it was uh i wasn't there at that particular time well, you're not okay Fair <laughs> i just heard the scream <laughs> i bet you did <laughs> Dear, dear. Um, I, I had a friend who woke up with one on his pillow once, right right next, he was in Africa, and um, he was staying, uh, I, right, uh, where was he, what, uh, it's one of the small um, countries in the middle, and he was in a, uh, he was in a hut, he was doing a job, and he was in a hut, and that, the hut, basically anything could crawl in, the windows were just open, uh, fantastic job and thing he was doing, but but uh, he said everything, everything came in. He said, I wasn't surprised. I woke up one morning, there's a scorpion just sitting on my pillow. Morning. Yeah. Going <laughs> to make the tea. All right, then. Yeah. Is there a sting in the tail to this story? Boom. There we go. Who, who's going to go first with uh, with the questions in? Uh, well, first of all, actually, I want to I want to just, uh, we, we had a gift. We did get sent some gifts all the way from Canadaville. Um, and it was from Spencer, Spencer Wynn, oh, okay. um, we've had as a guest, very good photographer, had a guest on, on the podcast, uh, Food for Mex photographer, all of that good stuff. And he sent them to me, but I have them ready for you. So he sent us each three candles, oh. not four candles, yeah. three candles. That's the Morgan and Wise, or two Ronnies, two Ronnies, four candles. Uh, two Ronnies, yeah. yeah. And uh, turns out his wife is, uh, so uh, 
a brief story, Spencer and his wife used to live in a big city in Canada and then they moved to literally the middle of nowhere where it takes 20 hours to drive to it. Um, <laughs> and there's like 600 people or something yeah. in this in this place they live. So his wife is making these candles. Oh. Um, smelly, I call them smelly candles, but I'm sure they've got a proper term, proper name. Um, scented, and Kev. Scented, scented candles. That's yeah. the word, yeah, yeah. scented and, uh, and they're beautiful. So he sent you and I one each. Well, one for you and Sam, one for me and Gemma. Um, the one I've got, uh, the one um, I'm holding in my hand is called Trail. And the the other one that he sent is called Campfire. And um, Gemma yeah. opened the one called Campfire. Right. She smelled and she was like, wow, that it just does smell like a campfire. We haven't <laughs> set it on fire yet. Oh, okay. And uh, he sent two little ones for Jack and Thomas. Right. And the reason I know that they are for Jack and Thomas it's because it's got their names printed on it, oh, which is really sweet. It's amazing. Yeah. So Jack has got, uh, and I've got the notes here, Jack has got Campfire um, as well. So they still, yeah. I've got the big Campfire. Um, and the notes for that say, Canada has a rich tradition of backcountry camping as well as caravan camping. The smell of a campfire is ubiquitous. I can't say that word. Ub- How do you say that? Ubiquitous. Ubiquitous. No, no, ubiquitous. Ubiquitous. You us. I think you could get in trouble with this word. Um, anyway, a campfire is a great way to bring the family together on a warm summer night. Yeah, yeah. It's also a great way to cook and make coffee when one oh. is winter camping at minus 40 degrees. What? Which he says he's done a lot of that. So the, that one's for Jack. And the one for Thomas, which I'm just opening now, is... Uh, I was keeping them wrapped up to give to the boys. Yeah, there's the wrapping gone. So they could unwrap them, but no, I've just unwrapped them. <laughs> You've done the unboxing. <laughs> Thomas has got trail, um, ah. which is actually the big one that you also have. Uh, and it says, we have plenty of woodland here, rich, thick forests that give way to walking paths and trails for hikers, and maybe even some guy wandering around talking to himself while making the excuse we've all been for some sort of podcast. I don't know who he's talking oh, to. Oh, no idea. Uh, I, talking about. I wonder whether he uh, could but, send me another one called Money. I haven't smelt that for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the trails here are scented with pine, balsam, and fir, with oh, soft lovely. pine needles, as Very the floor nice. would. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, really, 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 really beautiful yeah. um, stuff. And it is, uh, he did also say to me, that whilst he would love a shout out on the podcast, which we are doing now, they can only sell them to people in Canada right. because it's illegal or something, or they need special insurance because it's to do with flames. Uh, um, yeah. And we will obviously link to all of this on the podcast yeah. page. Uh, however, it's huroncandleworks.ca. That's Canada, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. H-U-R-O-N-C-A-N-D-L-E-W-O-R-K-S dot C-A. I'm squinting because... Uh, during my week of absolute awfulness last week, I also managed to get to the opticians and they went, yeah, you're blind. I thought, what? Oh, that's great. Wonderful. Yeah, so I need glasses for the first time in my entire 50-year life. You've probably um, needed them for years, Kev. You haven't been driving with glasses or something. He did say. Yeah. He have did you been say, driving, uh, Mr Mullins? How, how many years have you been driving like this? He did say, yeah. uh, when was the last time uh, yes. you came to the opticians? And I was like, well, he went, I can tell you. <laughs> when was it? It was, it was a long time ago. It was about nine years ago. Yeah. So um, anyway, yes. So I, what's, I, I couldn't figure out whether I'm short-sighted or long-sighted. However, the way I explained it to him was the scores on the football in the top left-hand side are now a little bit blurry, but my paper in front of me, my reading, is fine. You're short-sighted then? 
yeah. So he gave me, he wrote down some numbers, poked <laughs> some things in my eyes, wrote down some numbers, and now I've got to go and order some glasses. Did you have the one where they 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 uh, they spray they jet they they spray a small jet of air into your eye? No, see, it's been it's a long time since you went. Also, isn't it? Because they don't do that anymore. Do they to not? check for glaucoma? No, they've got a different machine. What do they do now, Kev? Don't tell me something I won't won't want to meet. No, no, it's fine. It's it's it's. I don't know. It's a similar thing, but it's not a puff of air that goes in your eye. They, oh. poke, they show they, it's like a light infrared or something. Right, I don't okay. Know. Well, I, I anyway. much prefer that to the puff of air. Anyway, that shows that means Kev, I need to go and have my eyes tested too. Yes, it does. It does sound like that. <laughs> I yeah. think so. Well, that's um, very kind of you, Spencer. Um, yeah, it's really beautiful, yeah. and they're re- they are really, really genuinely nice. You know, yeah. not like the rubbish things you get from like <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Don't mention trade. No, they're not rubbish candles, Kev. Mm. <laughs> I have to bleep that out. I don't want a bill. From- <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I've got trail for you. Thomas and Jack have got their Brilliant. own little mini ones that they can put in their teenage bedrooms, which I'm sure will make a massive difference. Well, no, I tell you what, <laughs> Jack will need it because just he's a smelly older teenager. And Thomas will love it because he. Uh, Thomas will love it because he has candles in his room. He loves candles. He's, yeah. yeah. So who I wants those? Actually, as well. Funny enough, who wants a candle from Spencer? Uh, uh, you can't because we've got them. It says glow. Well, I've got them in a minute. Yeah, well, you've got them. Yeah, will this be like the present I never ever get? I might also get a delivery during this call. I've got the XS20 being arriving Ooh, at some point. Have you? Why, why did you want that one? What was the reason for placing? Oh uh, well. Well, because well, because uh, well, there's no reason at all, is there, Kev? You just wanted no, to spend money. Reason. There is a reason, but I don't <laughs> want to get too deep into it. Right. Essentially, I need, I, I wanted a camera for YouTube and to basically just stick on top of my monitor and everything. Yeah. And the what, what I used to use the XT4 for that was perfect because I had yeah. the flip out screen. And yeah, then, yeah, of course, yeah. the XT5 came because so many people moaned about the screen. Mm. They took the flippy out screen away. Oh, God. And then I sold my XT4, and now I'm struggling with making my YouTube stuff. So I've gone, right, I'll get the XT, XS20, I'll just stick it, I'll super glue it to the top of my monitor, yeah. and then that'll do its job. So that's turning up at some point today. Oh, we're going to get a lot more videos from you then. Is it going to be yes. Ke- Ke- Casey Once Mullins? Back from Casey Mullins. Casey Mullins, yeah, uh, definitely next year anyway. <laughs> on, the, on the case. Right, we probably should do some questions. I, yeah, I was speaking should. to somebody. I was working the other day with uh, Lee Meek, who listens to the the show. He yeah. was the videographer. Uh, I photographed his wedding. Uh, did you? Yeah, I didn't know that. He didn't tell me that. He was. Uh, he got married at that place down the bottom of the hill. What? <laughs> There's lots of places down bottoms of hills. What are you talking? I know, about? but that's how I remember things. <laughs> it's, it's your neck of the woods somewhere. That place down the bottom of the hill. Oh, right. Okay. Turn left at the traffic lights. That's the one, yeah. Um, have to look it up. Yeah, well, Go on, you carry on while I'm so looking it up. Any, uh, I can't remember why I was mentioning this now. And um, The old bell, Hurley. Oh, the old bell. Oh, it's quite yeah. It's cracking venue, that. I like that venue. Yeah, lovely, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, down yeah. the bottom of the hill, isn't it? Well, sort of-ish. Well, it depends which way you're coming from, I suppose. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I suppose so. I can't remember now. Now I'm, li- I'm thinking about your wedding. Um, you said he was a uh, videographer. Yeah, there was a uh, there was a reason for saying it will come back to me in a moment. Kev, should we start with the question? Oh yeah, no, no. He said he he li- ah that's right. He said he li- he listens for to the show, and he, mu- he I think he prefers the the ramble stuff that we do to the questions now. <laughs> <laughs> so, which is a good job because that ramble bit has taken about sixteen minutes. So, yes. sh- shall we do some questions? Yeah, I think we should. Yeah, yeah. you g- you go first, Kev. Right, I will start first, and with time on a traditional, start with the most recent post question. I should say from the Facebook group. 
And this is from Stephen Edgar, mm-hmm. uh, 14 hours ago, as I'm looking at it. He says, hi, Kevin. Hi, Neil. I have quite a bit of old home camcorder footage Ooh, of family holidays, nice. birthdays, etc. Yeah. Going back about 30 years, I've managed to copy the tapes onto my hard drive ready for editing. Yeah. One of the main reasons I haven't done anything with the footage so far is that I was hoping we would see a big step forward with software, which would enable me to enhance the grainy old footage and get it closer to today's high-quality HD video standards. Yeah. I'm not expecting to turn my old low-quality footage into stunning 4K, but I would like to make it look the best I can. I've seen some examples recently, but to my eyes, you can not You can tell the footage has been enhanced, yeah. and I think it looks a bit fake. Can you recommend software that would do a good job and get my old footage up to 1080p or even 720p? Or am I just wasting my time and should settle for the old original quality and just accept this is the best it's ever going to well, look? I don't know of the software that will do that. There will undoubtedly be something, won't there? But I'm also of the thought here to leave it the way it is when you to have that old look that it had. You know, whether it's Super 8, I don't know, but but to, to retain that. That vintage look, it will be vintage look at 30 years plus, because that's part that's of the, that, that, that's, that's part of the, the, charm. the charm of it, isn't it? Yeah, I agree. I totally agree with you 100%. However, if you, if you do have Premiere Pro, Stephen, um, there is a upscaling option in there and it does do a very good job. Whether your footage is too old for it to not look silly when it's upscaled, I don't know. Um, but I know Premiere Pro does a very good job of upscaling kind of um old mobile i've done it for old mobile for you know when mobile phones first had video stuff um and upscaled it to like 720 or 1080 and all that there's a reasonable job but yeah i tend to agree with neil i think i always think of that that um scene in christmas vacation national lampoon's christmas vacation when chevy chase is sat in the attic and he's watching all of his home old home movies 50 mil um Black and white cine, eight yeah. mil, black and white cine cameras, yeah. and he's got the thing, you know, whizzing away next to his ear, and then he falls through the ceiling. Of course, but yeah, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, keep keep that look. Or at um, least keep both. Definitely don't ditch yeah. the original yeah. once you once you have done it. If you have done it, well, that's my, yeah. It's entirely up to you, Stephen. Your footage, your friends, your family. Your your, your, your footage may. What do you your say? Footage may vary. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this is not so much a question, so I'll, I'll just uh, there, there's a comment and then a question. Comment first of all from Bob Demers, an answer to a question uh, or some, a conversation really that we were having in episode two four eight. You must have said something along the lines of Americans buy more prints. I sort of remember you saying that. It's not so long ago. Was it the last episode? Where are we up to? But he says I think Americans buy more prints than the Brits because our average house size is two and a half times the average UK size, i.e. more wall space. It could be that. I still think that um, our American friends value wall art more than we do. But, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. could, could well be. I don't know. We really don't know. But, yes, they definitely, I know that American people sell more prints than UK people. That's for true. whatever reason it may be. True. Daniel Kiss. Hi, Neil. Hi, Kev question with the show what is the best photography advice you got throughout your career and what advice would you give to somebody now with all of your experience not business related for improving one's photos p.s are you planning any meetups like what we had last year at the xh2s launch of the house of photography come back to that in a moment but let's start with the uh, photography advice um not business related something for improving your, your your photographs I mean, I, I assume really he's going to be talking about what 
what we've done mostly with our career, which is shooting events, shooting weddings. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I don't really, did any, I, I honestly don't recall a kind of light bulb moment that somebody said to me when it comes to actually the technique of shooting. I think I kind of found my own feet, really. Um, well, what about all the courses that we used to, we've, <laughs> we've given plenty of mentions, uh, things like Jeff Askoff's course, where where he's talked about documentary. Did, did you go on those courses because you kind of knew what you were doing, but you needed somebody who really did know what they were doing to sort of say, you're on the right tracks, Kev, no worries here. Or did you do it because there was a silver bullet, an idea that you were looking for that was going to accelerate you? Uh, I know we're not supposed to be talking about business here, but, but creatively perhaps. Yeah, I think they, they were more, that was more inspiration stuff really and, and yeah. verification of the fact that this style could be done. You know, sort I don't validation really that one wasn't it? Validation really. Jeff didn't go into what he might have done, but I, I camera settings and you know way of shooting and all that kind of stuff. As far as I can remember, it was a long time ago. So yeah, I don't really remember that. I think, but my advice to people these days, if somebody wanted some kind of camera advice, I'd, I'd be like, trust your cameras, stick it in P mode, and you know, become be more of an observer than a camera operator. Let the camera be the camera, and your eyes be the the storyteller. That's um, what our friend think, Mr. Busing used to say, wasn't it? I think that... P for uh, professional. Yes. P, yeah, yeah, yeah. P for professional. Busing um, shoots in P-mode or did yeah, shoot in P-mode. Yeah, yeah. um, but yes, that's you know that that's the thing I say to people all the time. Just, you know, your eyes are there for seeing. You know, don't worry. Don't, don't worry. Don't overly worry about the technicalities of it. Mm. Um, mm. So you need to understand how to use your camera, but trust it. Trust your camera. When we went to Bristol and we watched Joe Busing, I might have mentioned this before, I remember going to the gents and uh, Joe walked in while I while I was just, you know, as you are at the wall, and uh, <laughs> next to each other, having a conversation about photographic style. It was quite bizarre. You can't just sniff and say, all right, all right Joe. No, you definitely don't want to sniff. <laughs> That's true. I had some advice from my friend Giles a long time ago. And he probably was the, and certainly in my town, the, the photographer. I didn't realise he lived in Newbury. And then on, on the doorstep is this real powerhouse, I, I think, of a photographer and a career with the British Army where he was in charge of, of photography for a while. And uh, I remember a, a conversation we were having. And I, I took this to heart. And I've, uh, this has made a lot of difference in the way I shoot and in, in the way that he said one day, we're having, having lunch. And he, said, he leant over at the end of the lunch. He said, you wedding photographers. You're a strange bunch. And I said, why is that, Giles? He said, well, you hunt in packs. There's always two of you or three of you. And there are people running around and making noise. And and, uh, and I took that. That was many, many years ago. And I thought, yeah, I get this. And his suggestion to me, which I now suggest to everybody who might listen, is slow down. You don't need to. The, the more you run around and panic and and you see, I, I see videographers do it there used to be a guy called Barry I've talked about him on the my other little podcast um, Barry the videographer who's honestly Kev he was like a Jack Russell he ran from the start of the day he, he just ran around you know think where's mm. Barry he ran over there got that back the other way and I just thought I, I bet I bet that transfers into the way that he shows his work Giles always used to say, walk slowly. And mm. uh, obviously, if you need to sometimes pick up a bit of pace to get some shots. But I, I do. I, I think that lowers my blood pressure, certainly during a wedding. 
I've always been described as quite a calm photographer by those that I work with and the parents quite often as well. And I think that that one bit of advice, just being calm, slow, methodical, not clinical, has, has really served me well uh, creatively across the years. Yeah, yeah. Two good bits of advice there, I reckon. There we go. Um, yours, Kev. Right. Stephen Anker. Right. Um, next to his name in the Facebook group, it says oh, Top Contributor. So, sorry. Rewind a bit. There was another question we didn't answer from that. Oh, you read it out while I put you on mute because I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> Are you planning any meetups like what we had last year, the XH2S launch of the House of Photography? Kev, have a quick sneeze. Oh, you do sound like a chicken today. You've got that chicken sneezing disease. I don't know you heard that because I put you on mute. <laughs> I put me on mute, I should say. Um, yeah, no, it's hay fever. Horrible. Oh, is it? Oh, it's horrible this time of year, isn't it? Oh. Yeah. XH2S launch. Yeah, we did uh, do a programme at the Hop, didn't we? Are we doing any meetups in the uh, in the foreseeable, Kev, he says? I think we can safely say we will at some point. However, this is what we need to sit down and discuss yeah. this and organise. This was our lunch today, Kev. This was our executive lunch, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. We will. We will. For a long time after COVID, we used COVID as an excuse why we didn't get off our asses well, and do stuff. I, I don't know if no longer ex- we can do that. Yeah, I don't think it was an excuse, though. I think both of us went through that period of, and you've had this subsequently with your with your workshops, um, yeah. where, where COVID just would just rear up sometimes and completely wreck the day. No, you're quite right. COVID, train strikes, yeah. storms, all sorts of things came crashing down on us. Yeah, um, but yes, we will. We will definitely. I don't think we can kind of um, accurately predict no. exactly when or where or ha- well. No, I think we can do it in the house of photography. Yeah. Um, but we will. We will. Uh, yes, watch this space. There we go. Or listen to this space. Yeah, that's it. Right now, you can do your question. Sorry about that. Stephen Anker yes. says hi, folks. This is a QQ for KM. Right. Okay. Hi. Hi, Kevin. I heard you interviewed on another podcast and you said that when starting out, you tended to, in quotes, ride the exposure compensation dial, end quotes. You said this as though you feel it's not the best way. I love the exposure compensation dial on Fuji's and use them regularly. Could you give a quick summary of what you see as the pros and cons of exposure compensation? Thank you. P.S. Don't tell Neil as he hates this, but I love the podcast and it's superbly produced, which makes the content even more enjoyable. There you go. That's nice, isn't it? I would sit uncomfortably with flattery, Kev, because I'm English. I have yeah. to go and hide behind a sofa. I'm Welsh, so I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on. You still, uh, you still work that way, don't you? You uh, ride the exposure dial? No, I never use exposure compensation now. Do you not? Okay. I, use, I, I, I build my exposure using um, spot metering, generally. Uh, so yeah, if I yeah, get yeah. the metering, yeah. I, pref- I much prefer yeah. to use the source of light or shadow mm-hmm. in, in the image to build my exposure rather than shoot in with say something like average or or matrix mode or whatever they call it these days yeah. and you know exposure compensation essentially just brightens or darkens the whole scene yeah. um which effectively will bring you to the same exposure at some point but a far more creative way of doing it is by using back button focusing focusing on your the place you want to focus and then getting your meter region subtly from somewhere else if necessary if it's not yeah. the same point I find that a much quicker way, much more creative way mm. of, uh, uh, you know, of, of doing it. And I don't have to constantly take my finger off the shutter button, move to the exposure compensation, blah, yeah. blah, blah, all of that stuff. So exposure compensation on my cameras never gets used. Like, I say never, but 
extremely rarely yeah. extremely rarely only if something for example if i've metered for something and the light suddenly changes quite dramatically but i haven't got time to react then i might just whack the exposure comp down to bring the whole scene down yeah. but no i don't i typically don't use exposure compensation so i i still use it it's it's been the way i've worked for all these as long as i can remember and of course now with a mirrorless camera but i, well, I am having to yeah continually it doesn't change that much though when I when I when I use my I don't use back button focus like you do despite being told for years that I should amateur <laughs> <laughs> only as amateur as using P for professional mate <laughs> uh, but it work, it works for me I I've exposure compensation Fisher friends exposure compensation is too uh, back in a moment with more of your questions now if photography is about adventures then I think I may have one you'll love, particularly if you've never been to Africa before. Kev has reminded me to remind you of an expedition, stroke retreat, stroke vacation, stroke adventure that I'm running with the help of two other guides in the Gambia, Africa, this coming January 2024. I'm running it as a photo walk retreat from my other podcast, and I'll be joined by filmmaker Andy Thompson, who now lives in this beautiful West African country, and the award-winning photojournalist and filmmaker Jason Florio, who's produced images and documentaries for clients, including the New York Times, National Geographic and Amnesty International. His work has received a number of awards, including the Magnum Photography Award, the Gambia is rich in culture, history, and natural beauty. The smallest country of the continent, it reaches inland following the course of the 700-mile River Gambia, bordered on either side by Senegal, home to nine historically important tribes, all of whom live harmoniously together. This expedition into West Africa is an opportunity to learn and practice and experience photography from three guides, and is open for 8 to 10 explorers. And of course, you'll be spending time with like-minded photographers keen to experience new cultures. We'll be visiting markets, taking a river expedition, photographing schools, craftspeople, making stories of the Atlantic fishing villages, witnessing festivals and learning about the rich history of this country called the Smiling Coast of Africa. For more information, Follow the link on the show page or go to photowalk.show. Follow the link on the show page or go to photowalk.show. Certainly looking forward to spending time with you in one of the most magnificent places uh, on this planet. I know because I've been there a good few times now working on various photographic and film projects. Right, Kev. Um, we have some important stuff to do before before we get going with the questions in the book. We need to say thank you very, very much to PickTime yep. for um, helping us with the show. I had another big sale the other day on my PickTime gallery. Oh. Yeah. Um, Dare I ask how much? Am I well, allowed to? Big. It, was, it was around about £600. Thank you. I'd say that's big, Kev. Yeah. That's, yeah, the big, yeah. Yeah, that's the second 600 Yeah, it's the second 600 you've had in as many weeks, I think. 600 uh, weeks? No, that's wrong. Yeah, in in six weeks. <laughs> it's picked up. And the reason why the pick time is working for me so well now, I think, is because around about, well, I think pretty much the same time I started using pick time, so yeah. about 18 months, two years ago, 
I um, started offering a package, my midnight package, where the clients got a credit towards uh, the store, £325 credit. And what happens there a lot of the time, not all the time, but a lot of the time, people use their credit, but then make a bigger album or they buy two albums or they buy prints as well or whatever, you know. So, yeah, I think that's that's working out really, really well for me. So and of course, with the credit, you're even though it's a £325 credit, the client is saving £325. But the cost to me is not that it's much not because it's my product yeah. cost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the way that I work, um, very simply using my pick time shop is to use the, um, the old business attitude of a third, a third, a third. A third for the product, a third for me and a third for the good old tax man. Um, <laughs> so yeah, pick time is working really well for me at the moment and it could work really well for you also by using the code FUJICAST, all uppercase, and you will get one month free. What is your biggest selling thing, Kev? Uh, when you're making these sales, is it an album? Is it print sales? Have, have you drilled down to that that figure? Uh, no, I haven't done any analysts uh, and analytics on it, but I can tell you now it's albums. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's albums, and and of course the beauty of it all is that you know you're offloading the work to the clients, yeah. and and I sell that as a benefit. You know, I say to them, look, you know, you can design your own album, you can choose your own covers you can put your own writing on there you can mm. do your own layouts you know no longer in the bad old days you'd have to send the pictures to the photographer he'd design it send it back to you you'd change your mind all that it's entirely up to you now so yeah offloading the work to them and mm. taking the credit for it and they're paying for it when was the last time you designed an album <laughs> oh God, way before covid really yeah. wow yeah way before covid and i used to use jorgensen albums and i loved jorgensen albums and i you know i feel a, a little bit guilty that i no longer use them but jorgensen are not a one of the labs on pick time no. um if they were i would use them but there, there's lots and lots of labs on pick time and the way that i do it is i just filter everything so it's uk only labs otherwise you you might end up with you know somebody choosing a product from a usa lab or something and then that can end up with uh you know long delivery times and what yeah, have you but yeah, yeah. Right. Very good. Thank you, Pick Time. Pick-time.com. Let's uh, let's have the book of the week then, Kev. You've, is it a huge book? Yeah, uh, it's not massive, but it's absolutely wonderful. I was I was delighted when uh, I finally got my hands on this. So uh, this is a, a retrospective Dado Mariama, um, and it's edited by Thiago and Nogayura. And it's it's actually an, the the book is actually an exhibition catalog, um, which is. I think if I'm if my my BDIs are right is currently the exhibition is currently at the photographers gallery in London. Oh. No, not currently. Sorry, it's in Berlin at the moment, right. and it will be there for uh, I'm just looking at the notes September till September, and then from the sixth of October 2023 until February 25th 2024 the photographer's gallery in London will have the exhibition of this retrospective. Um, so I'm definitely going to go and see that. Um, so he was, a, he's a Japanese photographer, isn't he? And he, he and a, st- yeah, a, a street, yeah, a street, yeah. a street photographer still with us. He's in his eighties now, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah. And Seigo, Seigo uh, Nogiara is the works again. I'm reading this from the notes. It uh, works for the Institute uh, Morales Sales in Brazil. Right. And he's the editor in the contemporary photography department. So he's, he's edited the, uh, retrospective, obviously for the book as well as the exhibition. So um, yeah, really, really wonderful. Now, Dedo Mariama's work is not, you know, it's it's a little bit like Martin Part, not at all in style, but in fact that some people will love it and some people perhaps won't. 
and it says the, bl- the blurb always go with the blurb says widely considered japan's most influential and prolific photographer which i i, I think i can agree with that uh Dede mariyama has been challenging conventions of the art form for more than half a century this exhaustive and electrifying retrospective published in cooperation with the Dede mariyama foundation and based on entirely new research looks at every stage of mariyama's extensive career including his extraordinary images as well as his conceptual contributions to photography one of a generation of post-war japan's groundbreaking artists moriyama has continually established his own visual grammar i love that continually established his own visual grammar uh, this book features more than 250 chronologically arranged images that reveal his constantly evolving career his early editorial work in the mid 60s uh, focused on the american occupation and the experimental theater his radical experimentation of late 1960s and the 70s the self-reflective photos of the 80s and 90s and his ongoing exploration of cities among other relevant moments it also includes more than 400 spread reproductions of Mariama's rarely seen publications mapping the sources of his visual production and then it says rounding out the volume our text by the editor and leading japanese scholars a personal essay by the artist and a full chronology of his life and work um, and like I say, it's accompanying the major exhibition, which is currently in Berlin and will be at the Photographer's Gallery in London mm. from October the 6th. So, I mean, I, uh, it's hard to to kind of describe his work, really, other than I love it. Gritty, raw, black raw, and white. Raw is the word, word raw, that I would, because um, often it, it doesn't conform to any of the so-called camera club photographic rules and uh, if he were putting his if he was putting his pictures into a photographic club competition i would imagine yeah. he wouldn't even get a look in and 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 it's not you know a lot of people associate uh mariama with just black and white work and yeah. and, and I, I think by and large that's what most people would think of him yeah. as but there's there's a lot of color work in here also um especially that period in the 80s that he talks about but what what i'm really drawn to is that lovely grain film natural imagery and it can be a natural you know there's images of um people in the you know in, in bed or there's street photos you know we we kind of tend to think of him as a street photographer but actually he's not he's you know he's a photographer um i don't think he could be pigeonholed anywhere really i just think he's an artist you know of of all kinds of means and the book itself is really well put together as it said in the introduction a whole load 200 odd images and then uh the retrospective text and the essays at the back uh you know full full notes full indexes um a really really well put together piece of work um by the editor of course and then the thumbnails at the back to give you references it's one of those books that I will, I'll reach for it several times, but I'll also be careful with it. Unlike a lot of the other books where I'm a little bit less, you know, not, might put a coffee cup on it or something like that, but not this one. This is one that I'm happy to, you know, look at over and over again and keep that new smell about it. Love it. Really, really nice book. It's a grain fest, some of his work, isn't it? it? Is I, would fest, it I mean, it? I from when I... I didn't do a lot of film shooting, but there was one particular... It was a very charcoal paper that I used. And this has the feel of that, where everything disappears into it. If you rub your hand across it, you take half of it back with you. And it, and it has that look, doesn't it? And actually, I mean, just the tactile nature of the pages, they're, you know, it's it's printed in, uh, uh, you know, on matte paper, but, but very... 
Is that, I mean, is not, it uncoated? The uncoated paper. Yeah, uncoated paper, but not um, you know, not heavy GSM. It's not. It's not like thick. It's not like a piece of art. Well, some of the art books I have that are you know, there's there's only fifteen pages because the paper is so thick. Um, but it's it's there's enough feeling to the page to have texture, which gives it a somewhat text uh, tactile. Right feel as well i'm not saying that you can feel the grain from the images but i think that's probably purposely designed um so you, you know you get an element of that originality with it yeah i love it i love it he um i was reading that he uh he worked in graphic design and then it's always a serendipitous moment isn't there it's something that happens for many photographers somebody somebody puts a camera in their hand and says there we go go make something of that and that's exactly what he went on to do yeah Fantastic. It's great. So um, the book is published by Prestel, who make lots of good books, actually. You can obviously find it on the Prestel website um, and in all other places as well. It is on Amazon. I'm just looking. However, your local bookshop or something like that would probably be a little bit better. Right. I think your local bookshop may vary or something like that. We're going back yeah. into your We've got a new bookshop in Malmesbury. It's just Have opened. It? I'm very excited. Wow. Well, it's opening next week. Well, is it a second-hand bookshop or a new, new, no, new, no, new? I don't think so. I, yeah, no, I think it's a new bookshop. Yeah. Is it opening nice. with a fancy coffee shop in in there? No, we we have enough coffee shops in Malmesbury. Well, it's always room for one more, like hairdressers. <laughs> you can you can get some for those people who don't know Malmesbury. Maybe you're from a different part of the world. Uh, you can you can sum it up. When I tell you about the street, well, it's only got one street, High Street, yeah. uh, which has five coffee shops and two funeral directors. And a co-op. A co-op and some artisan shops and yeah. things like that. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever go out to shop anywhere else? Or once you're in Malmesbury, you're, you're like, that's it. You're, lo- you're well, locked down, as it were. I've got to go out. Once we finish this, I've got to go and get an amp. Um, a fuse. So we, we've had, oh, honestly, the last couple of weeks have been hell on earth. So the day my dad had his heart attack, our Rayburn broke down. Not um, again? So, yeah, well, they do every couple of years it goes. Blimey. So, How much course, have you Rayburn, spent on that thing? We've had it 20 years, so yeah. it's, done, it's done a good job. But yeah, it's, it's and you kind of have it thick. Every, every couple of years, like the gas filter goes or something happens and that's what's happened this time but now they can't find the parts so they're having to get the parts in because they don't really make those things anymore anyway that's beside the point so what we were what we were cooking on while we're waiting for this part to come is this little grill thing that you we bought you know like a you plug it into the wall and like a camping grill sort of thing yeah a little bit like that but probably a little bit bigger um anyway that (laughs) That broke, that gave up the dust as well. So I need to go. I think it might be the fuse in the plug. So I need to go into to the little. We got a little hardware shop here next to one of the coffee shops, and I need to go get a fuse. Are you qualified enough to go into the hardware shop because they speak a different language, Kev? I know. I like going in there. I'll go. Oi, mate! Oh, I need a fuse for a plug. Do you become a little bit yeah. Cockney for some reason when you go into yeah, a yeah, hardware yeah. store? Yeah, yeah. And I go in. You know, kind of. I go in. Do you, the, do you scratch a bit? A do, you, do you scratch a yeah. bit where you shouldn't in appropriate places? Uh, that sort of behaviour. Put a fake cigarette in my mouth, wondering. <laughs> or a geezer. Got any fuses? Yeah. <laughs> he'll oh, and he'll go. Uh, yeah, sure. What uh, what type do you want? And then I'll go. Oh, I don't know. Just give me the lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our friend Steve turns into a Cockney when he go when, when he's uh, when he's fishing. For some reason, he goes very Essex, and uh, he loves his fishing. He lives in Berkshire, but the moment he starts, the moment he starts to talk to uh, any anglers along the bank, he'll go, "All right, mate, you got any maggots? You got any maggots?" <laughs> sort of Essex, the the inner Essex in him comes out. That sounds like that's happening to you. 
Uh, right. Yeah. Um, here's one from... Now, I've got to get the pronunciation right. There's a French and a Spanish pronunciation of this. So the surname is Basque. Um, well, no, that's not the surname, but that's region. So we've either got Echenique, uh, Echenique, or Echenica, which would be the... Well, the K would be the Spanish pronunciation, wouldn't it? So this is from Carlos... I'm going to say Echenique. Uh, uh, dear Neil and Kev, first off... Thoughts and prayers to Kev's dad in the hope of a speedy and uncomplicated recovery. Thank um, you. Second, greetings from the Sunshine State. I've been listening to the Fujicast for quite a while. Recently became a patron to further your great work. It's a real pleasure, pleasure to hear the thoughts and musings of two down-to-earth working photographers. I myself have been in photography since age 12. I recently turned 60 and have owned and used all sorts of cameras but always gravitate back to Fujifilm. I currently own an X-H2 and an X-T5, which may sound uh, uh, redundant, but I have my reasons. So I have a question and a request for a comment. Do you want the question or the request for the comment first? What would you like, Kev? Your choice. Question. Question. My yes. recently acquired X-T5 exhibits a harmless, as far as I can tell, but odd behaviour. Take an X-T5 and set it into aperture mode. Bolt on a fast lens. Set lens wide open. Point camera at bright light source. Half press down the shutter button to take an exposure reading, then release the shutter button without taking a photo. The highlights... Are you keeping up with this, Kev? Because you're, mm -hmm. you're my technical beast here. The highlights in the viewfinder will blink momentarily as the camera settles back into its idle state. Has this ever happened to you? I tried this on a couple of X-T5s. My local dealer was quite cooperative, and several lenses, and it happened with all of the cameras. I tried the same on the X-H2, and the effect is not quite so pronounced. So could it be a firmware issue? Uh, it's not something that I personally kind of think I've experienced, but I would imagine it's quite normal if you're, you know, because what you're doing is you're exposing for something, then as soon as you let go of that um, yeah. shutter button, you're allowing the camera to re-expose. So it's probably, you know, if it's a bright highlight, it's probably, and also it depends a little bit on how you're doing the exposure, whether it's a metering mode or whatever, you know, it's doing its thing. I suppose the way to test if there's something wrong with the sensor itself is to expose for that very bright area manually, hold your, you know, fully yeah. manually, put your finger on the button to take your shot and then let it go. If there's any blinking after that, there shouldn't be because the camera is exposed manually so it shouldn't change yeah. um if there is blinking after that then that would be a slight concern however i think it i would say it's perfectly normal you might want to fiddle about with the um display settings so you have uh, on the xt5 at least you have things like you can set it to be optimized for refresh rate mm. uh, the uvf uh, or you can have it set to be optimized for the other thing what <laughs> i can't remember the thing at the end of the road down the like where yeah. the wedding was but there's, there's some settings in there that <laughs> will um yeah low light i think low light optimization refresh rate and maybe something else mm. um so maybe have a fiddle with those mm. but yeah i, I mm, sounds reasonably normal behavior to me I am i say. am i woofing up the wrong tree if i uh, if i suggest auto iso could be a, an issue with this yeah that's why i said you know lock it in manually and so take away any uh, kind yeah, of auto exposure elements to it see if it happens then right. if it's not happening then then, yeah, you know, it's re-exposing. But I think what he's saying is that it's blinking quickly yeah. first. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. Um, no. the, the request for comment then. I use my X-T5 as a walkabout camera. Oh, blimey, get you. 
and have recently discovered the HEIF file format as an alternative to JPEG and RAW. I use RAW plus HEIF. Is that how you say it? Would you say HEIF or just HEIF each time? It seems very long-winded. On my XH2 for paid work. Not very often these days, sadly. And uh, and HEIF, HEIF exclusively on my xt5 the file format is lossless 10-bit color and has the film simulations baked in uh, as i'm a bit of an it hipster i use linux and dark table for my workflow and heath fits in rather nicely what do you guys think well so we've had a similar question on this Have and we? the reason why a lot of people kind of didn't really f- take on board the heath high efficiency image file format by the way uh, so technically, it should be H E I F F. That's true. High yeah. efficiency image file format yeah. um, uh, is because some software w- wasn't supporting it. In fact, Lightroom didn't support it for a yeah. while. It does now, as far as I'm aware. Um, uh, and I think I think it's a. It was built specifically. Uh, well, not specifically. It's it's actually I'm looking at the the, um, the specs for it now. The the requirement the requirements were, were designed for HIF in yeah. 2013, yeah. so it's been around a long time. And essentially, it's better quality than JPEG and smaller file size. Yes. All right. So for all intents and purposes, it makes more sense. However, you need to have software that will read it. And for a long time, it was it was not very well supported. Um, mm. it, it came to Apple first, I think. Um, I know it worked. I know that Windows has previews for it now in the, in the, in the file explorer, all that kind of stuff. So I think it's more widely adopted. Um, but yes, there you go. I, you know, you can't, for example, if you uploaded a HEIF file to a website, I think it would just scream at you and go, what are you on about? Would it? Literally. What are you talking about? Willis? <laughs> right, okay. Give me a JPEG. <laughs> Or, or if you're really stupid, give me a gif. All right. But no, what are you on about with a heave? <laughs> thank, thank you, Carlos. Um, H-I-F-F-F. Uh, he says, uh, again, thoughts and prayers for Kev's dad and warm regards from sunny Florida. We're going back to Florida ne- next year. We, we'll be there for two weeks next year, Carlos. Um, although it's a big place, I'm not sure we'll bump into each other, unless you are in Daytona and somewhere near the, the Ocean View Studio Condo. Will you be there? No, I won't. Okay. Well, it's hardly surprising. It's a big place. Um, we, well, that was my first. Uh, I'd, I'd never been to the International House of Pancakes before, and I went with, uh, we went with a family. We do a big family do. And uh, my sister-in-law, well, she picked out very, something very strange from, from, uh, from the, the International House of Pancakes. She said, can I have an omelette? And they said, yeah, we can do an omelette without the pancake. Uh, and... <laughs> And they didn't quite get that. So no, no, no. You have to have the pancake because you're in the international house of pancakes. But I don't. I want the. I just want the omelette. You, can you do the omelette without the pancake? It took us about half an hour to make that order. <laughs> for them to understand. Mm. Well, that. it seems like a reasonable order to me. Yeah, it's I, like going to a coffee shop and asking for a cup of tea. Well, no. I mean, <laughs> it's not. It's when you go and when you go into a restaurant, you say, "Well, look, I, I like the burger, but could you just hold back on the gherkins?" Even McDonald's can do that. Hmm. I really enjoyed doing some street photography in uh, in Daytona, and uh, did I ever tell you about the? I, I've talked about this on the uh, my other little podcast, but I went, I met this, I went to do some street photography, and I just went out with uh, um, an X X Pro Two that I had at the time, and um, I met this guy on this. It was quite a, a big expanse of land, 
And he's he's fallen on hard times, this guy. And so what he does is he collects up all the cans and the rubbish, the, the metal rubbish, that is, takes it to the recycling, who pay him money for it. And he would go out each morning and do it. And he'd usually be on this sort of waste ground. And I sort of wandered up one one end of the town. And I saw him one day, and I, I thought, I want to get your portrait. And I wandered across this waste ground, got knee, knee deep in the grass, Kev. Mm-hmm. And he watched me all the way come towards him. And when I got to him and asked him for a, a portrait, he said, yes, he was a really nice guy. And we had a chat, and he said, I watched you coming across this field. And uh, he said, I wondered if you were going to make it. I said, what do you mean if I, if I was going to make it? He said, well, this field, really, which you're standing in now, it's just full of rattlesnakes. <laughs> I've never walked so awkwardly out of a field in my life. Mm. You wouldn't want yeah. to get you wouldn't want to get bitten by a rattlesnake. Horrible. No, or, or, or rattled. Well, you will. I think isn't the rattle the one that that attacks your nervous system or something? Oh, I don't know. Not, not very terrifying. Not a nice way to go. I, I no. shall just be at the Daytona Beach Resort Ocean View Studio Condo, avoiding the snakes. <laughs> right, your question. Have we got Have we got time for any more? Uh, yeah, I got a uh, I got a QQ here from Andy Stonia. Go on then. He says, question, are videographers becoming more painful recently? <laughs> he did not say that. He did. <laughs> he did, he did. All the videographers now are switching off, <laughs> turning over to the Sony cast. I tell you, working uh, with that Lee Meek the other day, yeah. turning up with his Sony cameras, pretending he listens to the Fuji cast. Honestly. Yeah. Well, I've worked this year so far, I've worked with two videographers and I've had a great time with them. Yeah. It's really nice. Very, very good people. Uh, very, very well behaved. Well, say well behaved in terms of, we, you know, we both kind of chatted beforehand. Yeah. And, you know, I said, if I'm in your way, give me a kick. If you're in my way, I'll give you a kick, that kind of thing. And yeah, perfect. And nice meals with them. All that kind of stuff. I'm not so, sure that, I mean, that it used to be the way, didn't it? That, that there used to be that sort of punch up figuratively that is between videographers and photographers because photographers were very much i think i think photographers have changed as as the years have gone by no no longer is it oh this is my gig it's my some photographers act as if it's their wedding don't they Mm. the whole Mm. thing it's never been more pronounced i remember somebody at a venue um a wedding planner saying to to a couple during their planning they they said right well this is when the ceremony is this is when you do. Uh, this is when we need you back for uh, for the food from the chef, and that bit there, that's the photographer's time. I remember mm. them saying this to me. and said, "No, that that's not my time at all. That's your, that's your cocktail hour in, in American language, or, the, or or in our, our our language, that's your reception period. That's when you talk to, mm. that's when you talk to your your guests. It's not my time." <laughs> and I think photographers and videographers they used to clash a bit, didn't they? Because the, the the photographer would think, well, I'm it's my gig here. I'm the most important. I, I have to say, I've never, literally, never. Uh, well, you are I mean, the photographer, some... so you, you wouldn't have worked with another photographer. I bet you some videographers no. have horrible stories. Yeah, but I, I I haven't. I've never really had an issue with any videographer ever in all you the haven't? years. No, years. no, no. Um, I mean, I've seen them do some daft things, but n- n- none of them ever kind of rude or awkward or difficult to work with no. so I, I quite like it when i when a videographer turns up because it's somebody to talk to isn't it yeah i quite i quite like it i mean i think the days have gone where we call them vidiots because i <laughs> I, I remember well you remember those days what well, we never yeah. called them that kev um when yeah. i say we that sounded like we did we didn't engage in that but but there was a language wasn't there 
but I don't think it works that way now. There's a lot of filmmakers that, like Phil White, our friend Phil White, who are absolutely brilliant at their job. And they're bloody good photographers too, actually, to boot. Yeah. Um, Andy Stonia also wrote an email in, by the way. One for you, Neil. I'm not sure if I should read this. Not toward the end of a show. That could and it could spoil the relationship at the end of the programme. But I do. We do have time for another question after this from Kev. Next time Mullins has a pop about Max, tell him this joke: How many Microsoft software engineers does it take to change a light bulb? None. They want darkness to be the standard forever. Andy, Mac user since 1989. Read that to me again. How many Microsoft software engineers does it take to change a light bulb? None. They want darkness to be the standard forever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is there a tumbleweed moment that you're experiencing, Kev? <laughs> I never really get it, I have to say. But uh, yes, okay, fair well, enough. We do <laughs> like that. Andy's one of our one one of our long long term listeners. So so uh um he he has the best Andy has the best um company name ever. Do you do you remember what his company name is? Yes, Bowling Hassett. Ba- no, Howling Bassett. Oh! Uh, yeah, sorry, sorry. He, he, uh, he did send me an email on his Mac, but all the letters are the wrong way around. <laughs> Touche. Very good. Right. Cool. I, I shall put this one in the don't let Mullin see that email, let alone tell him. Do we have time for another question? Uh, yeah, we can have a quick question from uh, Darren Goldstein. Mm-hmm. Uh, or oh, I say Goldstein, Goldstein. I think it's Goldstein. I'm right. terrible. And Darren, of course, um, was on the show last year, I think. Mm. Um, he's the set photographer for The Boys in Canada, that TV oh, show that's on. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, he says, hello, gents, me again. For fear of being called out for having a lengthy question. <laughs> Now, it's already long, Darren, just by doing that, right? <laughs> so I'll try to keep this brief. Wondering what other photographers... Oh, this is quite timely, actually. Wondering what other photographers who primarily use the EVF do when wearing glasses. <gasps> Something I have to start thinking about. Yes. As someone who can kind of see without mine, I have yeah. gone through stages where I, I just adjust my diopter and ditch the glasses. But recently I've kept them on while shooting, but find that I'm not always seeing edge to edge through my EVF and mm. either shoot askew or miss something at the edges of my frame. Thoughts? Perhaps right. a technique well, I'm missing. Yeah, well, I am a glasses wearer. And, there you go. So you answer this. And I, I didn't until quite recently think about using glasses with my camera because I've always had the, the vision hasn't been that bad that I can't see what's going on just over there in the corner. I think, oh, I need to go and get a picture of that. Um, because what I didn't want to do, Kev, was have glasses on, put them on top of my head, glasses down, glasses... I couldn't bear doing that. Yeah, it might slip off the top of your head. Well, all sorts, of, especially off mine, yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, are you still feel, feeling raw over, over, the, uh, over the Microsoft joke? Um, and, uh, <laughs> but of late, I've noticed that I'm, I'm wearing my glasses more at weddings to see across the way and think, right, I definitely, and, and so I have got that problem now and I can't, can't see edge to edge through the EVF when wearing glasses because it adds a further, I mean, it's not, they're not really thick. They're not, um, what do they call them? Bot- bottleneck glasses. They're not, they're not really thick glasses. But it just introduces bottle top, isn't it? Bottle top, is it? But it just introduces a further layer, and I find that really awkward to work. I tell you, the person who answer this is Anna McCarthy, because I, I I meant to ask her actually when I was working with her recently. I was the videographer. Well, you have to ask her what she thought of videographers. Um, but she was wearing her glasses with her EVF, no probs at all, and I know plenty of people do, but I can't bear that separation, Kev. So I have to rely upon the diopter. It's the only way I can work when when using an EVF. 
Well, it's interesting. So I, I won't know until I get my glasses. Mm. Um, I, I, like Are you going to wear contacts? More... What about contacts? No, I don't like the sound of that. But I, I, um, I suspect I probably won't wear them while I'm shooting purely because I, I don't ever feel like I've had an issue with them no. with it as it is. So, but we'll we'll soon find out. I don't know. And mm. and I know for a fact that the glasses that I will end up with it will make anything close to me blurry. Yeah. So you know, I don't want my EVF the um, the numbers and all that stuff blurry. So I probably won't use them. It will affect your close up vision when you're when you're. Sh- this is the one thing I do find a bit awkward when when shooting using the. So if I'm doing video, actually because it's mirrorless, I often sort of jam my eye up against the the EVF anyway. So it's because it's another point of contact, isn't it, for steady camera work? But if I'm not doing that. I find it really difficult to look at the back of the screen and then look above the camera into the scene. So it's not a perfect way of working at all. It'd be really interesting to, to hear from others that do actually wear glasses with their EVF. Yeah. Um, yeah. Come on the Facebook group and tell us your glasses woes. <laughs> do you think we'll lose anybody for that? Oh, my God, this doesn't sound like a very interesting topic, but I think it is. A lot of people wear glasses, Kev. Why won't you do uh, contacts, by the way? Should have gone to Specsavers. <laughs> uh, no, uh, well, they did talk to me about um, contacts, and I was like, mm, I don't know, I'll do a lot of judo and stuff, and so I don't want to be taking them in and bringing them out. And, and they said, oh, they'd, they'd stay in, it'd be fine. And in fact, the, the optician was is a, um, she does uh, Shodokan karate, so she was like, oh, I use mine all the time. Oh, well, there we go. Anyway, I was like, let's just get the glasses first. So, you know, I've spent 50 years without anything in front of my eyes, so let's just, let's just start with that. And as long as I can see the scores better on the, the football, that's that's all I'm happy with. Just think that, of them. Do me. Just think of them like shades, Kev. And I've seen you in shades. No, yeah. no, no probs at all. Well, if you do um, wear contacts, you can have all sorts of fun with colour. You could even have um, you know, Welsh flags in your eyes. Mm. There we go, Kev. Put them on my arm. <laughs> well, there we go. You can have them in your eyes as well. That's it for another week. Um, a couple of weeks. If you'd like to send a question in then, click at fujicast.co.uk is the address for us. Or you can Are we doing... Sorry to interrupt. What? Just as a, a little bit of housekeeping. Yeah. Are we doing another one in two weeks or are we going to realign? Um, Do one next week. Well, we need to do we need to do a whole load of recording for while you're away in Spain, so that might make a difference. Actually, I think we need to look at our calendars. We need to look at the days that you are going to be, um, you know, not excommunicado. I'm thinking about John Wick now. Um, when you're going to be away, when we can't get in touch with you because you're going to be sitting on a sun lounger with a can of your favourite, flicking um, scorpions off your off your yeah. nearest and dearest clothing. We shall consider, as yeah, they say. In as they say. Um, if you want to send a question in to the Facebook group, how do we do that, though, Kev? Go to the Fujicast Facebook group, and there's a thread at the top that says, uh, questions for the show, new for 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Does it still say uh, 2020? No, 2022, sorry. Oh, right, okay. uh, <laughs> I should really clean that up. Uh, yes, a wacky question there, and we will eventually get through to some of them. <laughs> Hey, you know what I you can do do now? You can blame any any mistakes on the fact that um, in vision it looked all right. It's just that you clearly need glasses. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> that's that's now your that's now your excuse. See you either next week or in a couple of weeks. Bye bye.
The FujiCast is an independent Loading Zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way. <laughs>